Good morning. It is Friday, October 14th, and trending this hour, Notre Dame football. They are losing their team captain for the rest of the season. Linebacker Bo Bauer is a fifth-year senior and team captain, and he is out for the rest of the year due to a knee injury. Also trending... Kroger, they agree to buy the rival grocery company Albertsons for a cool $24.6 billion. Kroger is the second largest grocer in the United States behind Walmart. Albertsons was fourth after Costco. The two combined together could become the biggest grocery chain in the country. It is six minutes after 11. He's Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and Republicans are hammering away at President Biden for his failed prediction that inflation in the U.S. had hit its peak last December. This, as we saw an uptick in the consumer price index this week, Biden's been on the receiving end of a lot of criticism, rightfully so. You got to wonder... With all the access to data and information that the President of the United States and his people have, there's no way they actually thought it was going to peak in December, right? There's no way that given all the information they had, because it was fairly obvious and we're just lowly radio broadcasters, Mach was still here at the time, this isn't stopping anytime soon. So what were they operating by other than, and this is what it has to be, of just make up something and tell people and hopefully the media will cover for us because why would that have happened why would it have stopped uh he kept calling it transitory remember that (laughs) we were in the transitory phase and then it was all putin's fault now it's putin's fault again bad news regardless for everybody especially seniors and working working families Near nearly a year ago, he promised that it had peaked, and and now here we are. Core inflation, core inflation, now the highest on record in his presidency. And so he was. Grandpa was giving some sort of speech yesterday. Was he? Was that when he was out in California mm-hmm. yesterday? And so he says the key reason he ran for president mm-hmm. was to fight inflation. Let me say a few words quickly about today's report on inflation. Americans are squeezed by the cost of living. It's been true for years, and folks don't need to be a report to tell them they're being squeezed. Fighting this battle every day is a key reason why I ran for president of the United States. The way I think about it is... <laughs> well, that ain't working, buddy. <laughs> That's why I ran for president. Okay, so health care cost rose nearly 30% in the past year. That's the largest increase on record. Rent prices saw the largest hike ever recorded. And somebody wanted me to point out that your your wage, your paycheck, not going quite as far. And that's because everything else is costing more. And it's been an 18-month-long process about all that. There's There's no question that the Inflation Reduction Act is also a big fat zero, big fat failure. So we have several pieces of audio we want to get to this hour, and so I want to quickly uh, transition to this next story because it's absolutely the greatest thing in the history of ever. The Saudis came out yesterday and said in a detailed memo that Biden basically begged them for a one-month delay Mm -hmm. before OPEC would cut oil production. 
and you're left to believe that would it was interpreted as because it would help him during the midterms. Like he did not, he wasn't really concerned about gas going up. He was concerned about gas not going up before, before the midterm election. I have to tell you, before we play this audio, I want you to listen to this reporter. Just he just does not give up. Yeah, so Biden's National Economic Council director was on Bloomberg. And like you said, mm-hmm. Casey, uh, I think this is a little montage. It's not exactly, you know, as it happened in real time, but it's a montage of this interview that he did with this this uh, Biden's National Economic Council director who will not, and this, this basically tells you it happened and this is exactly how it happened because he will not outright deny that Biden just asked for a one-month extension from OPEC. Mm-hmm. You've drained the SPR to its lowest level in four decades. There's some accusation that you're using, you're putting the polls before America's energy security. Brian, the Saudis themselves said this morning that the U.S. requested a one-month delay to the OPEC plus output. I wonder why that would be. Brian, can you tell me whether you did ask the Saudis for a one-month delay to that decision? Are they telling the truth? Look, we clearly we clearly communicated our views to OPEC members that we thought it was short-sighted to, for them to take uh, the action that they were contemplating, and they announced. Ryan, you didn't answer the question, so I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to share with you and share with our audience the quote from the Saudis this morning. The government of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia would like to clarify that based on its belief in the importance of dialogue and exchange of views with its allies and partners outside of OPEC Plus regarding the situation in the oil markets, the government of the Kingdom clarified through its continuous consultation with the U.S. administration that all economic analyses indicate that postponing the OPEC Plus decision for a month, according to what has been suggested, would have had negative economic consequences. Brian, again, it's a really straight question. Did you ask the Saudis to delay that decision for a month? Are they telling the truth or not? Look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to, to, to uh, get on, on on air and disclose private conversations that well, members it's not of our private. administration have shared it with us. With You've got the opportunity to say it's true or not. Is it true or not? What I will say, what I will say, what I will say clearly, is that the communications that we've had with OPEC members and continuing have been based on our assessment of the economic circumstances of supply and demand in global oil markets. Again, they're suggesting it's a political one that your strategy is political, that your reference to I understand to what they're suggesting, and what I'm saying to you story. is that our strategy, I, I understand what they are suggesting, and what I'm saying to you is that our strategy has always been grounded in an assessment of the economics of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> your assessment stinks! <laughs> he just repeatedly tried to dodge that question, I won't disclose private conversations. Of course Biden asked them to wait until after the midterms. And now, now they're pushing back and saying that the Saudis' defense of their cut in oil production is because they were coerced <laughs> by other countries in OPEC. <laughs> so here's the question. When are they going to put their green dream on the shelf and start drilling? Well, they're not. And so you're going to pay and you're going to keep paying. And this is where it comes back to. And I know we've got to get to a break here, mm-hmm. but you're dependent upon the Republicans. If they win the House and the Senate next year, playing hardball in terms of funding Biden's priorities, et cetera, and using every piece of leverage they have to get these things to take place. And I'm telling you, if you're banking on Dr. Oz and J.D. Vance and the Duke of Spendingburg to stand tall for you for anything, 
we're, we're screwed. I mean, we're just it's just time to admit it, Casey. We are just screwed. <laughs> we're going to pay a lot for gas for a long time until maybe the economy completely craters and then it'll go back down again. I can tolerate it coming from you. I would just like to hear it from one of our public servants. It's Casey and Kendall. Kendall and Casey. Sorry, I tried to rebrand the show No, it's there. fine. You do whatever you need. <laughs> it's 93 WIBC. Good morning. Tulsi Gabbard's decision to resign from the Democratic Party is further proof that President Joe Biden has made America unrecognizable. That's what Dick Morris had to say. He's got a new book out, by the way. It's called The Return, Donald Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. But he's taking a phrase from his book saying that you would not recognize this country if you missed the past couple of years and just plopped yourself back in. You wouldn't know wouldn't understand it what's going on yeah dick morris he's kind of a mercenary for hire he was of course a longtime clinton uh, advisor and then uh, saw the light or saw the paycheck or whatever it was and then popped up on fox news and suddenly became super conservative and look i will say this about dick morris while i would trust the guy about as far as i could throw him he does know how the sausage gets made. Mm-hmm. He does know how the where the bodies are buried. Um, so I, when he speaks, I oftentimes it, it, like it's like you got to separate the carnival barking from the reality. But I thought this was I thought this was a pretty good analysis of what Biden's done to the country. Take a listen. Until we have Dick Morris standing by, he is the author of Dick Morris: The Return, Trump's Big Comeback, and the host of Dick Morris Democracy here on Newsmax. Great to see you, Dick. Good to be here. Thank you. So give us, you know, there's been a lot of developments in this Georgia Senate race. Uh, The left making a big deal about Herschel Walker's uh, former living common law wife. We had a kind of a specific time on that, Kevin, that we were looking to pull. Did you, were you able to to pull that? It's a because it's a it's a a, yeah it's kind of a long interview there. So, anyways, maybe Kevin can find that for us. He goes on to say that uh, children are told that we are in favor of racism, not against racism where you look at gender change surgery for children in the fourth grade. You say, I have no idea what country this is, but we're talking about America. And then he said, Tulsi is really on to something. Yeah, and he's absolutely right. You know, Biden has radically moved this country very far to the left in a very quick fashion. Mm -hmm. And I don't think of, let's operate from the standpoint of 81 million legal votes, because that's what we're told. And we're told if you question 81 million legal votes from a guy who hid in his basement and refused to come out and had rallies with six people. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, magically, they were all just votes in key swing states that flipped at midnight, uh, which is a really common thing that happens, I mean, all the time. And probably just a giant coincidence that all happened in states that had mass mail and unaccountable voting. Uh, where he really didn't have to show an ID and you could just mail your ballot back in and they had no idea who sent it back in. Uh, anyway, all of that aside, you know, I don't think the majority of those people probably voted for a president who would radically reshape America in the fashion that Joe Biden has, which is why he has an approval rating of about seven. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he did say he was going to do all this stuff. Did we not believe him? I mean, he claimed he was going to do it, and he has. And uh, Dick Moore said, look, I haven't changed. The Democratic Party is the one who have changed. Okay, so let's talk about Klaus Schwab. <laughs> this is... 
So this guy, he's a German engineer. He's an economist. He's the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. He's a comic book villain, Casey. He, I can't think of the movie. He reminds me of this character. I, like wish, it, it, we, I wish it would come to me. The guy had his fingers chopped off. Um, I mean, when, when you look, when you look, and when you hear this guy, is he not straight out of central casting for some sort of Marvel movie? Yes, like the bad guy. Yes, and. He is the head of the World Economic Forum, Mm -hmm. and I'm playing this because most of us know what an evil, terrible, awful globalist dude this guy is, but we need to play it for you because it wasn't that long ago that our buddy, old high-tax Holcomb- Was meeting with him. Yeah, went over to Davos and Mm -hmm. was palling around with this dude and begging uh, Schwab and his buddies for business and economic opportunities in the state of Indiana. Well, let's play this clip for you, and you need to reconcile that this is the guy that our governor, old Lockdown McGee, Mm -hmm. was over on bended knee begging for help from. Listen to this. Advancing very fast. But... Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Um, I, I think that is imaginable. I think um, I, I think you know you can imagine that. You can imagine well, you're going to be sort of transplanted into you know the the internet, so to speak, to live forever in a digital realm. Uh, you know, you can imagine that you know you just in your biological incarnation are going to live to be some you know very long age. Uh, Think about that is what he's obsessed about, putting like chips in your brain Mm -hmm. so that you can live on. And I mean, it's just the guy's a psycho. And yet our governor, not only did he do it, he was bragging about it over there palling around with this Mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. What the... And will anybody ask our governor, hey, how do you feel about chips in the brain that your buddy Klaus Schwab wants to do? Yeah. Isn't this the same guy who was saying that you could swallow a pill and all of that information will go directly to your doctor and they can tell you when you need your medicine and we're going to track you? There was a song by a group called Zager and Evans and it was called In the Year 2525 and it's about all of these futuristic things that happen, you know, hundreds or thousands of years in the future and this guy is trying to enact it right now mm-hmm. like they want to play god they want to play dr frankenstein and again this globalist america hating individual is who our governor eric holcomb chose to go pal around with and beg for economic opportunities with this is why we were so critical of him going over there this guy hates america he hates the idea of american sovereignty and independence and our governor was on bended knee palling around with him. He wants to put an implant in your brain. 
But, well, Casey, I don't... So th- he can measure your brainwaves. We can't even get a question for our governor about why he had a VIP meet and greet with the domestic terrorists, so I don't think they're going to ask him any questions about this. But we That just would wanted- not serve Hoosiers <laughs> well. <laughs> it would not serve Hoosiers uh, well. There you go. Okay, so Newt Gingrich is predicting a red tsunami of undecided voters going to Republicans. He uh, said the former House Speaker... He's discussing how Biden claims that Republicans have nothing to run on. And then Newt Gingrich said, "Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think you got this one wrong. And let's take a listen to what he has to say. Well, the problem is, uh, you know, Louis Brogdon, who works with me, came in yesterday morning. He'd stopped by the grocery store to pick up four hot dogs, paid over $7, and was just saying, you know, you're not going to be able to sell this to the American people. Uh, and I think Gallup has reported the largest Republican advantage on the economy since 1946, which was a landslide for the uh, congressional Republicans. Uh, I think that uh, the average American knows every time they go to the gas station. Uh, California, by the way, is projected may get to $8 a gallon uh, because it's the most expensive gasoline in the country because of state laws. Um, Every time they go to to buy something at the grocery store, every time they deal with a supply chain, for example, and getting something for their house, uh, this ain't working. And Joe Biden and the Democrats bear the burden. They have the House, they have the Senate, they have the White House, and it ain't working. And I think, personally, I think you're going to see a tsunami uh, because virtually everybody who's undecided will break for the Republicans. So if you're a Democrat and you're below 53 or 54 percent, you're very likely going to lose come election day. He's right. I mean, I think in most of these swing states, I think Herschel Walker's going to win, even though he totally doesn't deserve, deserve it. I think uh, Dr. Oz is going to win. I think uh, Laxalt, the guy in Nevada, is going to win. I think Arizona's still probably going to stay for the Democrats with Mark Kelly, but the Republicans will probably have the Senate by a one or two vote advantage. They'll probably overwhelmingly control the House of Representatives. But the question is, what are they going to do with it? They mm-hmm. still haven't offered you a guarantee and a vision other than some things out from Kevin McCarthy and some vagaries and some high-level words that they're going to do. So what are you going to get out of it? Is that really a tsunami, though? And people will be right back here complaining about how the Republicans have let them down again. It's been happening for years and years and years and years. I don't know why people think this would be anything different. Yeah, Newt Gingrich, he did go on to say that Joe Biden is the most corrupt president in U.S. history. That's a debate maybe we should have. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Gotta find me someone whose heart is free. Someone to look for. My dream 93 WIBC, it's the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And you know, Casey, it's yeah. almost the weekend. Yes, Friday. Happy Friday. And so often from some of our listeners, they say to me, not to you, because yeah. you're incredibly happy and sweet and positive, that I <laughs> I need to put a, a happier face on this program. Okay. And, um, well, I... I decided we might take a, a moment here to heed their call mm-hmm. because we got a very fabulous email that mm-hmm. I thought I'd like to share with the masses. Okay. It comes from our dear friend, longtime listener. He goes all the way back to when it was me and the two women. Yeah. Farmer Ryan. Okay. Farmer Ryan is, uh, well, he's one of the great farmers here in Indiana. He's up in Wolcott, 
Indiana. In fact, he helped sponsor our State House Happenings show that Abdul and I do every Sunday morning here on WIBC. Perfect. Do you know what he farms? Uh, he farms all sorts of stuff. He has brought us the things he has brought us over the years, all sorts of crops. He's brought us meat. Mm. He does the whole works. His website, it's great. Uh, the the uh, uh, this this website that he has is really interesting. It's called Freedom Foods Indiana. So freedomfoodsindiana.com is the website. And what they do is essentially it's sort of like Uber Eats but like for vegetables. So like you can go to freedomfoodsindiana.com and you can order all these fresh vegetables and various products and they will they will deliver them right to your door. Perfect. Yeah. And it's grown right here in central Indiana. He's also one of these guys now, because he's an incredible businessman, he's making a fortune in the wind industry because he sold, or uh, not sold, but leased off part of his farm mm-hmm. to these windmills, which is like farmers are making a fortune off that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he is a longtime, longtime super fan of all the various incarnations of <laughs> 9 to Noon here on WIBC. And he sent, uh, he sent us this wonderful email that I thought it might be uh, okay to read. Yeah. this show so much. I am deep into grain harvest now Mm. and have been working for 14 hours with a couple more to go. But I wanted to take just a few minutes to tell both of you that you are doing a great job. Rob, Casey might not know this, but not only were you a winner in local politics, (laughs) but you were a great radio producer. That is a total lie. (laughs) Terrible. I will never forget the girls that were talking on your time slot. What were their names? Oh, (laughs) Oh, yes. Mock and Daisy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I really like this show. And Rob, as you know, I do appreciate the hard work that goes into a very successful radio show. So I need to praise Kevin. Yeah. Kevin! Mm-hmm. I listened every Saturday morning, and you did a bang-up job. Now you're with my favorite producer and radio talent, Rob. Aww. Kevin, you are terrific! I love it when you interact with the radio talent and share a bit of your life. Mm-hmm. If Hammer ever starts to get hard on you, just say... Shut up, fatty! (laughs) You have the support of a new farmer friend, and I will bring you really good food and liquor when harvest ends. Perfect! So there you go, Kevin. Wow! You have a new super fan in Farmer Ryan. That's fantastic. Farmer Ryan sounds awesome. He is great, and Casey, I'm sure he will be doing this very soon. He will bring you very fabulous foods from his farm in Wolcott, and you will eat... For days and days and days and days, and it'll be the best food you've had all year. Yeah, locally sourced, farm to table. Yes. That's great. Okay, so uh, we have talked about this before, Casey. How do we feel about when old artists mm-hmm. do new music? Mm. You know, we've had this long-standing conversation. Because mm-hmm. I maintain the one great thing about music, at least compared to sports, it's like, other than Tom Brady... Watching your heroes in sports get old is like a tragic affair. Yeah. I mean, your 
associate may and, uh, may, or may also be an exception because he was a big Michael Jordan fan. Still is. And Michael Jordan played at a very high level even mm-hmm. after he joined the Washington Wizards. But mm-hmm. for the most part... Mm-hmm. You remember him as a Chicago Bull. If you were watching your favorite player, like uh, my dad's favorite player was M- Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. And the final two years of Mickey Mantle's career was just very, very rough because he was hobbling around the bases and a yeah. shell of his former self. But in music, mm-hmm. you can watch... The old timers, you can go to the equivalent of an old timers game, and it's still not all that bad. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, did we come to a conclusion, though, on how we feel about when the old artists do new music? Well, I think sometimes it will reintroduce an old song to a new audience, yeah. which is good, especially if they're doing a cover of a good old song. Yes. So, with that in mind, because Tony does this like mm-hmm. multiple times a week and yeah. we're told, "Oh, everybody loves it when Tony just plays random ass music." <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, my guy, he's got a new album coming out. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen, it's called mm-hmm. Only the Strong Survive. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this is it's all Motown and Motown-esque covers, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah. And his new song that dropped at midnight yeah was a cover of the famous song night shift oh and so i was going to play it for you you are the music expert here because you spent all the years programming that's a very soulful song well, but wow I've... that's like someone taking on aretha franklin so my challenge to you casey is yeah. i want an honest assessment there is no right or wrong answer here of course the actual answer is it's phenomenal yeah. and everyone <laughs> should just go download this song okay. but i'm going to play a little bit of it for you and you're going to tell me your Honest okay. assessment okay. of what you think. All right. Marvin, he was a friend of mine, and he could sing his song, his heart in every line. So far, so good. Marvin. Sang of the joy and pain He opened up our mind I still can hear him say Oh, talk to me So you can see What's going on Say you will Sing your songs I think this is phenomenal, but yeah. I'm totally biased. You found another home. I know you're not alone. Would you play this on your radio stations that you were the program director for? That's a tough one, Rob. You can say it sucks. It's fine. I won't hold it against no, I, you. No, I, I, I like Because I'm a total it. homer. I'm totally biased. Oh, wait. Let me hear You want some more? more yeah. what you doing now. It seems like yesterday. When we were working out. Jackie. Jackie. You set the world on fire. What are you giving it? You came and gifted us. 
still listening. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Your love had lifted us. Okay, couple thoughts, Rob. All right, in this, in whatever you say here, I will not hold it against you. Okay, it sounds like the DBs are a little bit faster than the original. The beat, yeah. beat per minute. So he's picked up the pace. Yeah. Which I think is good because that fir- the, the original version was so soulful. Yeah. And it's hard to to make an exact replica of it. Sure. So he changed it a little by picking up the pace, which also modernizes it. Yep. His voice sounds pretty good. Yeah, for 73. Yeah. I think he did a nice job there. Now, you asked, would I play it on any of the radio stations that I used to program? Uh, top 40, no. Yeah. Country, no. Yeah. Classic hits, maybe during the morning show, just to give a sample to everybody, let everybody know it's aware, but in regular rotation, probably not, because classic hit stations are the hits. Yeah, where, where do the old geezers fit in these days when they do this yeah. new music? Um, you, I, I think a station like TTS. Oh, yeah, there you go. Might play it. Right. Uh, a AAA radio station might play that. So we, so we should not be giving advice to our competition, but WTTS, if you want your ratings to skyrocket, I just play that thing on a loop. Brad, you should be playing this. Um, a, a classic rock station? No, probably not, because that really doesn't fit in the rock genre or being classic, although it's a remake of a classic. That's not going to go in regular rotation So either. basically, TTS is our only hope. Uh, locally? Yeah, probably. Is it weird, and again, whatever answer you give is fine, is it weird that I still get markedly excited at 38 years old seeing Bruce Springsteen do new music? No, like, because I, you're a I, fan. You I want enjoy, your you want old. your guy. Yeah, but he's old, right? Yeah, but I mean, I've sounds, seen it all. He sounds pretty decent yeah. in that song. He, I mean, if he were totally botching it, you'd be like, oh, dude, no. And he's still well assembled, and that's a big mm-hmm. part of it to me. Is like the, some of these artists, you see them now, and it's like, ooh, that's uh, you know, that's it's not good, right? You, you, you know. But, but he's looking good. He's he looks like the boss, man. Mm-hmm. Like he's very fit. Mm-hmm. He's got that gigantic chin. He's got that vein on the side of his neck that looks like it's about to explode. You Other know, than being old, it's like it's still the same guy. I think you can take a song like that from someone like Bruce who's 73 and has some experience now under his belt. If somebody young like Harry Styles yeah. did that song now, it just wouldn't come across because that song, I mean, that whole era of music had a lot of deep meaning, yeah. right? And if you're going to have somebody young who hasn't been through the trenches of life to try and relate, it's just not going to come across as well. All right. I'm glad we did this exercise. Thank you for confirming uh, my greatest hopes and ambitions that I'm still validated in enjoying my hero do music. Thank yeah, you for I that. think you did a decent job on it, that. So you have uh, my permission to go forth and listen to perfect. it more. 93 WI. ABC, it's Kendall and Casey show. Put on your All right, it's coming. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Are you one of those type of people who dress up for Halloween? Do you celebrate Halloween? No. No, not I'm a, at all. I'm a, I'm a grown-ass man. Okay, so you don't dress up. Do you pass out candy? Yeah, yes, I told you. I think I've said this before, and I'll probably do something like this again. In 2020, I had a candy bowl out because I was still when the COVID thing was going on, and you couldn't yeah. be anywhere near the children. Right. And I put on the bowl... If your parents are Biden and Holcomb voters, take one piece of candy. Yeah. If your parents are Trump and Rainwater voters, take two. (laughs) 
and ask your parents to explain taxation to you and why you get one for those two candidates and two for the others. That sounds so like you. Here's some candy, but you have to learn a lesson along the way. So I'll have to come up with something creative for if you're a Diego or Todd Young voter, take one. I'll come mm-hmm. up with a way to do that. And if you're a Jeff Moore and Cineac voter, take two. Mm-hmm. I'll have to get it. I've still got a couple days to get this figured out. So growing up, I was never allowed to get really into the Halloween thing. Like, sure, I had a costume. I can recall one year I was Mickey Mouse with the plastic yeah. uh, mask over my face. Uh-huh. Uh, we used a pillowcase to collect all of our candy in. Yeah. But uh, we were never allowed to have all of the spider webs and witches sure. and devils and all of that around the house because, well, that would go against the conservative religion that uh, I grew up with. Now, now, I'm a different person today than yeah. I was in my 20s and even into my early 30s. But Halloween was special for me because that is when all these smoking hot chicks Mm -hmm. would wear these smoking hot Halloween costumes. Everything was like sexy whatever, sexy nurse and and sexy teacher and sexy everything, right? And like I said, I'm a far different person today than I was for, oh, I don't know, that 15-ish year window. Uh, But I did, uh, you know, the famed uh, rocker Michael Stanley said it best. All you get to take with you are the memories. You got to make the good ones last. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this Halloween, it's still a few weeks away, but social media in an uproar over the likelihood that people will be dressing up like Jeffrey Dahmer. No way. Yeah. No, you're kidding. No. Okay, so this is the thing the real life serial killer and cannibal. Ugh is expected to be one of the top costumes this year. And this is in thanks largely due to the new drama that's on Netflix, Dahmer Monster. So is this sexy Jeffrey Dahmer? (laughs) Gross. I don't even know that can be a thing. There never was a sexy Jeffrey Dahmer, never will be. How do you go as Jeffrey Dahmer? You wear a blonde wig and the glasses and maybe a plaid shirt. So is this, okay, so my question would be, Kids trick-or-treating mm-hmm. are different than Halloween parties. When they're saying people are going as Jeffrey Dahmer, they're not talking about children going as Jeffrey Dahmer trick-or-treating. They're talking like grown-ass people going to Halloween parties. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is Netflix's second most popular series of all time. You haven't watched it. No, not yet. yet. I have Netflix. But are you going to watch it? Well, I, I feel like one of us should, and it's not going to be me. Well, then I guess I'll have to. That's fine. I tried uh, to watch it and got 30 seconds in and had to just, nope, not for me. I I don't get into all that stuff. My wife is super into real crime, Mm -hmm. and so she might actually be into that and might go along with that. So I'll, I'll ask her this weekend. Yeah, well, a lot of people are saying it's completely inappropriate. Uh, This was not uh, something from a screenplay, but this was real life Uh horror. And why would we want to glamorize or promote that? Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah. I'm just going to say it's very odd. I, I tend to agree. Like, that's not really a good choice. You you want to be a witch. You want to be an angel. You want to be a devil, a ghost, whatever. But this was like a real dude who did horrific, horrific things. Uh, also, family members are not happy with Netflix for producing and releasing this show. But here's the thing. There's really no victim relative list that they can cross-reference every single person and how far down the victim relative list 
do you go right. to make sure it's okay? Yeah, uh, if you're dressing up as Jeffrey Dahmer, you are a total weirdo. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what happened last night to your Chicago Bears. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, uh, they lost. Yes. Boy, the most exciting part of that game were the orange helmets. Well, the <laughs> so so here's what's interesting. Somebody did the math, and I think we talked about this, that it comes out to, and I, I'm not verifying this you know, 100%, but it looked right or looked close, that based on what Amazon is paying to run Thursday night football, yeah. it's like $78 million a game mm-hmm. or something like that. So the last two weeks, you've had the Colts and the Broncos and the Bears mm-hmm. and the Redskins. Yeah. And You mean the Commanders? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll always be the, the yeah. Washington Redskins to me and many other people. Um, Total snooze fest. Oh, they're t- the games are just terrible. Yeah. Like, I was sitting there uh, because my dad does not have Amazon Prime, so he came over to watch the game. And we were sitting there at one point, and I said, unless you are a fan of these two teams or the most uber football fan ever, who would be watching this game? It's yeah. a terrible game. Like, I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan, and that game was boring. A lot of people asking for their Amazon Prime membership back. Like, seriously. It's not Amazon's fault. It's I, kind of the, uh, I don't know, the softening of the NFL. I asked my wife last night, I was like, why do we pay for this Amazon Prime thing? And Because, you know, I do nothing on the internet, but I guess she shops online mm-hmm. so she's like no this is a really good deal and yeah I was like, you get free shipping and boring football i was like okay well i just want to make sure we're not paying just for this like this isn't a, isn't a thing where you're like oh that'd be real nice to do that for rob please make sure it's not no no it's for whatever yeah people do on amazon i don't yeah. know okay so dan schneider says that he has dirt on all of the NFL owners. Yes, he is the uh, owner of the Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. He is loathed. The commanders. Yeah, I'm sorry, the commanders, <laughs> I'm sorry, for a variety of reasons. And a report came out of the ESPN did it yesterday that said he is keeping a dirt file on not just a whole bunch of owners, mm-hmm. but also the commissioner. So if they try to take the team from him, he's going to take the whole league down. Yeah, like he's been backed into a corner, or is this guy just a real big jerk? And why is he still an NFL team owner? Uh, he's He's got... Toxic club culture. He's been uh, allegations of sexual harassment, accounting misdeeds. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, but so. there's there's part of me that really likes the fact that he's like, I'm not just going quietly. Like that, that guy for the Suns that basically forced him to sell the team, and he's like, Well, I guess I'll just sell the team. Mm-hmm. This guy for the Redskins is like, Y'all are scumbags too. And if you take me down, I'm bringing you with me. I Y'all like it. coming down with me. Okay, so what was the final score of that? Uh, Twelve game? to seven. Twelve to seven, and the Commanders won. All right, that's gonna put a lid on it for us. Thank you, Rob. Good job, Kevin, and thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here Monday with Kendall and Casey, 9 until noon, right here on 93 WIBC.